0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. And with that verse, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Get your Bible, turn to the New Testament book of Acts, Sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the the first church. And we're going to talk about that. We'll continue in Acts chapter one. But we welcome you to the program, Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. And you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we are so honored that you are. Bert, it's good to be with you, my friend.
2: It is good to be with you, Alex. I enjoyed last week, and I did appreciate you mentioned Jim Stanley, and I need to today. Appreciate Jim uh, sitting in. Uh, I don't call him a substitute. I call him a pinch hitter when he comes in, and I just appreciate that so much, and I know you had a good time, but it is exciting to be in the book of Acts. I I just want to let you know, I I keep a file of my sermons, and I've been preaching quite a long time, and my Acts... uh, File uh, has a lot of sermons in it, and a lot of them oh, have boy. to do with chapter one, and it is the beginning. The church here in power, and this is the church waiting. That's what we have in chapter one. The church waiting, and and God's going to endue them with power. But the promise is given in verse eight, and it's probably you know so many days before the day of Pentecost. And uh, most folks think about 10 days or whatever. And uh, so that time is coming, Alex. So uh, it's exciting to read chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power. Now, the but is in there because they were saying, is it time for Israel, the kingdom of Israel, be restored? And Jesus said, that's not for your time. That's not for your season. But I'll tell you what is your season. It's the season for the Holy Spirit to work through you. And guess what? That season is still going on today.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, this is so exciting. And folks, um, you know, it's written to Theophilus, you know, uh, the former account I made, O Theophilus. The name Theophilus, we talked about this yesterday, uh, means God-lover. And it's interesting how Luke has written this. I mean, the whole wide world has been blessed by the gospel of Luke, and now this history book, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. But uh, this person that Luke was writing to and writing for, Theophilus, his name was God-lover. And I hope what we go over in this book will make you a God-lover. I do want to say this, that uh, the book of Acts... Is so appropriate. One of the commentaries I was reading, and I've got about 58 pages of notes right now. I'm looking at a Word document of stuff that I've compiled for our study here, Bert. But there was a Nobel Prize winner uh, years ago named Sir William Ramsey. And Ramsey uh, was just a brilliant professor in uh, London. He held the chair of chemistry at London's University College, and he was a Nobel Prize winner. And a, a brilliant scholar, and even William Ramsey said this: quote, Luke is a historian of the first rank. In short, Luke should be placed along with the greatest historians in world history, said William Ramsey. And that's important because we've got so many details of people and cities and occurrences, and you can trust. What Luke writes, you can trust the whole Bible. This this is literal truth, and and what's interesting is one writer said this. You know, if we had the four Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and then you went straight to Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, I mean that'd be okay. But there there'd be a big gap, yeah. and I think Acts was very necessary to see the birth of the church at Pentecost. You know, Peter preaching to the Jews. Uh, Peter, through a vision and through other things, beginning to realize that Gentiles could be saved, and they were not under the law. And in a way, the book of Acts was a very necessary bridge book from the ministry of Jesus to the, the fully-orbed work of the Church. And this age we're still into this day that you mentioned, that we're not under law, we're under grace— Jesus fulfilled all the law. I mean, don't you think Acts was necessary for us to fully comprehend the rest of the New Testament?
2: Alex, nothing could be further from the truth. It is true. That is true. How bad and how necessary, the book of Acts, it moves us. That's why you have a lot of people, when they talk about it, they say, Luke, Acts. And because it continues the story of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus had said, I must go away. And if I go away, though, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you wait on him, but when he comes, you're going to do greater works than even I've done. And and that's what you have in the book of Acts as the gospel comes in. Now, notice how Luke writes this, and I, he is just a great author. Uh, I read several commentaries and... S- I'd say four out of those that I've read said uh, the same thing Dr. Ramsey said, that Luke's detail, Luke's movement, it's not just detail, the movement, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the movement. It moves chronologically and geographical. Now, that's important. A lot of times, uh, it's hard to do both of those, but uh, but. Luke does. He moves us through the chronological order. He takes care of the early church, and that's why I said yesterday Acts 1-8 is a movement, and it's a kind of an outline of what will happen in the book of Acts. They first at Jerusalem, then it went out to Judea, then into Samaria, and then after it got to Antioch up in Galilee, it went to the uttermost parts, the ends of the earth, through the Apostle Paul and missionary journeys. But it's chronological and geographical. When you combine that with what you just said, the details of a physician that he was, you get a full picture. Uh, when you were describing that, I thought, you know, I believe Luke may have been, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not sure
2: man would, I'm not sure man by himself could have combined all the elements that you and I've talked about and combine them in a treatise like the book of Acts.
1: Well, you know, in a way, um, one one of the amazing things of chapter 1 is the ascension. The, Jesus ascended back to heaven. Uh, you know, after Acts 1-8, you're, you're going to receive power, and, you know, Acts 1-8 is really a great commission verse. But when Jesus had spoken these things, while they were watching, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. You know, I think about... Um, Was it Enoch that walked with God? And it said he was not. In other words, he was not found on earth anymore because God took him. Enoch just walked on up to heaven one day. And uh, in a a way, is Enoch a little bit of a precursor to the ascension of Christ? That that is good. Yeah,
2: that's good, Alex.
1: Yeah. So um, the angels say, and this is a a great question. Imagine, I, I picture on a hillside... Uh, a dozen disciples there, and they're staring up, just looking, and suddenly there's a couple of people there. They they didn't see him walk up, and there were these two men standing by in white apparel, and they asked, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come again in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So while they're staring up, before they had a chance for them to get a sore neck, there's two people standing nearby. Those were angels. And uh, that's why we talk about that he'll come in the clouds, because it says he will return in like manner. And so they went back to Jerusalem, had the prayer meeting, and they verse 14 says they were in one accord with prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There was unity. And let me say, when the body of Christ is unified that's when the Holy Spirit can show up and work in a strong way. And so that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing at that point, weren't they?
2: They were. And notice this term in verse 11, men of Galilee. Now, Alex, I don't know if you know this or thought about this, I should say. Uh, these are the men of Galilee. There was probably one of the 12 that was not from Galilee. They think he was from Judea. And that was Judas Iscariot. So mm. these 11 men, you know, these 11 apostles are men of Galilee. I just, I thought, hey, man. That is a
1: great point. That
2: is so precise. And these angels made that known to them. And notice the word, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Now, I think that has two connotations, and you can disagree. I think it's talking about the immediate, but I think about the ultimate too. We are to look for his coming, but we're not to gaze at his coming. We're to work now with the job that God's given us through the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, yes. we're to glance. He may come at any time. We need to be ready at any time. But our, our hope is in him coming. We understand that. But we're not to gaze. We are to do the work that God has called us to do. And it, notice this, this same Jesus In other words, Mm. this visible Jesus, this physical Jesus, this Jesus that betrays gravity and can be taken up, this same Jesus that can appear in a closed room with locked doors without being able to come through that door and knock, this same Jesus that could do that and yet consume food, this same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven, notice he's got a destination. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The book of Hebrews Hebrews makes that so plain that he's making intercession for us. Will come in what? Like manner. Now we're looking. uh, The Pentecost was not the second coming of Christ. Other people coming is not the second coming of Christ. It is Jesus himself coming back visibly, coming back physically, coming back to this place from heaven one day. Uh Alex, I, I just, this is a, verse 11 is a promise of the present and the future.
1: Well, amen. Well said. I mean, you know, and there's so much, every one of these verses is just rich with meaning. And it, it lists, they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James, not Iscariot there. And notice in verse 14, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. And, and remember, Christ from the cross had said to John, Hey, she's your mother now, look after her. Uh, and so they're all there. And just think out of this, you know, dozen people, the world is going to be changed. Uh, let me just say this uh bird i had lunch with some pastors today and we were talking about revival and talking about america and sometimes i mean it's easy to be intimidated and think you know oh goodness the media the political world the secular academic world you know and just the dark darkness at large you know it's more than we can ever impact or change look first of all changing the world and saving souls and the gospel permeating a culture. That's always dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord anyway. It's not our strength. But you've got a dozen people and they're about to be used by God to turn the world upside down. It can happen again. And I pray it will happen in our day. I pray Acts is a reminder that God can work through his church to change the world. Alex, different
2: people, same spirit, same power. You are right on. And let's pray, God, let that revival, let that renewal, let that power work in my life. That's our prayer for you today.
3: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Catherine Tai, United States Trade Representative. Her agency is responsible for developing and promoting American trade policy. She is part of the president's executive office. Leviticus 2514 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Catherine Tai in her role as United States Trade Representative. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org.
0: Dr. Tony Evans says delinquency is up because fatherhood is down. He illustrates his point with this example as we spend two minutes with Tony.
3: They did this nature special on this herd of young male elephants who were running wild. They were tearing over trees. they were fighting each other, and they were trying to figure out what is going on with this herd of elephants until they noticed something. There were no adult males in the herd. So they flew in some male bull adult elephants and dropped them into the herd. They began flapping their ears. They would raise their trunk. They would make these sounds. The teenage bull elephants, calm down. The teenage bull elephants stop being wild because there was a big bull now calling the shots. We've got some teenage terrorists today. That's because there are no bull elephants in their midst. Real men to calm these fools down who don't know how to act because they've never seen a bull elephant in their midst. We need some bull elephants out here who are man enough to say, as for me in my house, You don't talk to women that way. You don't talk to your mother that way. You learn how to be respectful, and you learn how to have dignity and respect. I need some bulls, fathers whose hearts are restored to the children.
0: Learn more about the strength, commitment, and sacrifice it takes to lead a family. It's all spelled out in Dr. Evans' bestseller, Kingdom Man. Copies are available at TonyEvans.org along with study guides, leaders' guides, and everything you need to promote God's view of manhood in your home or church. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony.
2: chapter 1 that we're studying here on Exploring the Word, and this is Bird and Alex. It's our joy to be with you each day, Monday through Friday, just to open the Word of God, and we're going through the book of Acts, 28 chapters. It's going to take us a while, so we hope you'll enjoy this, but notice who speaks in verse 15. Now, I don't know if he was appointed, elected, or just self-appointed, but Peter's Peter's the leader. He just is. That's in. And it comes out. That's just the way it happens. He was the one that walked on the water. He's the one that jumped in the water and swam ashore when they saw Jesus after the resurrection. And it says this. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. They were all together. The number was about a 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. And by the way, that scripture is found in uh, Psalm 41, verse 9. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. get to that. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now, Alex, I understand Peter standing up. I understand the 120 there. I understand the fulfillment of prophecy that David gave to Judas. But this verse 17 has always intrigued me and it's also repeated in verse 25 that judas attained a part of this ministry now you know here he was he had a demon from the very beginning and he transgressed he betrayed the lord but when it came time to fulfill his position it seemed like the he, he was not a freeloader. You you can't I don't know. Yeah. Do you have you ever thought about all everything that that means he obtained a part of the ministry.
1: I know that's an interesting word there, isn't it? And it again, is. you know, I'm uh, uh reluctant to say anything positive about Judas. I'm not necessarily saying anything positive, but no, I mean he was in it. I mean he was a part of it, wasn't he?
2: That's what it seems like because they said he's a part of this. We've each one of us got her Positions we got our our jobs to do. Uh, we need to we need to find somebody. The twelve was important. I've heard people arguing should they have done it? Were they jumping ahead of God because the Paul the apostle was a, born out of due time? But I, I don't think they were necessarily making a mistake. Now that's my no. opinion. Doesn't make because
1: me... um, they were they were in prayer and supplication. They really I were. Mean, I, I agree. really believe verse fourteen. They were. In step with the lord at this point i mean they really were i agree
2: with you but uh here they were here's the key we may not ever figure out judas's carrot he was a devil from the beginning he betrayed christ we should not oh god's will was done through judas because no he 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 chose to do this and it was wrong what he did but i would say this hear these apostles say we need somebody here and they gave the qualifications they had to be there in all the way when Jesus began his ministry, had to see the resin Lord and, and Alex, uh, they did that. But what did they do with the money? That thirty pieces of silver that Judas went back and threw there on the temple floor, something about yeah. the field of blood. They nobody wanted that money, did they?
1: No, they they didn't. And verse 18 says that a field was purchased with the wages of iniquity. Think about that line, the wages of iniquity, those 30 pieces of silver. And Judas, you know, uh, falls headlong, burst open in the middle, and all all his entrails gushed out. Uh, very graphic there, but, you know, he hung himself and fell, and his dead body burst open. But it was known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called, in their own language, achel dama, that is the field of blood. Uh, Psalms had uh, alluded to that, Psalm 69, this desolate place, the field of blood. And it also says in Psalm 109, verse 8, let another take his office. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is, it's the word, uh, let uh, another take his position of oversight. What What's really interesting, in verse 17, says he obtained a part of this ministry. Now... The, the word a, a part or a share is the word from which we get the word clerical. It's Greek word kleros, uh, a clerical position, or literally clergy. And down in verse 20, which quotes Psalm nine eight, you get the word uh, episkopos, which is an overseer. So, in a way, and again, I hate we're unpacking these words in the context of Judas, but a preacher, there is the spiritual aspect of it, the episkopos, but there's also the administrative aspect of ministry, the cleros, the clerical. And, you know, in, in serving the Lord, yeah, I mean, there's the handling of the Word and the preaching, but there's also leadership, isn't there? there is. And in, in a way, these two things where it says a part of the ministry and the office of ministry, don't you in a way see the... the the two-sided aspects of this, the administrative and the ministerial.
2: Alex, good point. Now, when you look back in the Gospels, we'll find out that his position was probably, quote, the treasurer, for he's the one that carried the bag or the box. He's the one that kept up with the money. He was the one that would disperse the money when certain things came in, or it had to go out, or the offering came in, and he took care of that. So he, he had... He had proven himself, but he they thought he had, and he thought he had everybody fooled, but didn't have Jesus fooled. Do you remember what it said in one place? Although he would take that money and he would use it, you know? And yeah. that is Judas. He was a devil. He had the good presentation. He was a front man, and, and so he had done all those things. But, yes, Alex, it does that. But him being the treasurer, I think, shows those things, you know? He's the one that said, you know, don't, don't you use that high price ointment on the feet of Jesus while we could sell that and we could give it to the poor. And it says he didn't say that because he was concerned about the poor. He was, he did it because he wanted the money in his possession. So I think this honesty, yeah, this honesty of clerical and money, uh, the leader, uh, the pastor, uh, it is just going to happen. You be visiting someone, and they'll say, uh, "Pastor, would you mind taking this offering and putting it in the offering plate?" Uh, and it sometimes it's cash, sometimes it's it's been a check, and and so the honesty of those pastors and what you just said, Alex, the clerical part of it, the ministry part of it, uh, good report, brother. Uh, that is sound teaching.
1: Well. It says, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, and remember the, the beginning of Jesus' his ministry all the way to the ascension, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed too, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us which of these two men you have chosen to take part of this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. A little reference to the lostness of Judas there in verse 25. They cast lots, the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Matthias became the thirteenth disciple, didn't he, really?
2: He did, and I, I think there's some interesting things here. These two men, now I'm not sure they're the only ones of the 120 that had these exact qualifications, you know. Uh, notice, I think they had a preliminary. Let's look at all the men that have these. They they were at the baptism, they were at the ascension, and, and probably with 120 people there, more than these two probably had those. Now, I'm speculating now, I'd admit but they narrowed it down to these two. And then through prayer and supplication, they said, Lord, we want your will done. Now, how in the world, Alex, do you find the will of God when it's like that? When God is not there to put his hand on that person, God's not there to speak with a loud voice and say, I want Matthias. They, they is praying. And here it's interesting. They cast lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. Did you read a good bit about trying to, what that meant, uh, the lot?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that. go ahead. There's
2: a lot of mixed, I I read several, several trying to narrow it down, and the more I read, the more I found out, but nobody knows exactly which one it was. Uh, Mm Could have been this way, could have been that way, Uh, but here's the important way. It really doesn't matter exactly how they did it. The thing is, they prayed and they trusted God for God to have his will, and they thought this was God's will, and I believe it was. That's my personal opinion.
1: Well, well, I do too, and, and whether it was, um, you know, like drawing straws or something like that, I mean, we really don't know. I mean, we, we really don't know. The wording is interesting um, because the word lot— is uh, is very similar to the word "part" in verse seventeen, but it was an orderly thing. Now, oftentimes when we when we think of casting lots, maybe they drew straws or something that seems like rolling the dice. Do you know it could have actually been they took a, a secret ballot?
2: That's what some of the things I read said that they took yeah, a ballot. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, do you know, I've been in many a church where we voted on deacons or we voted on the budget. I've been in a couple of churches where shortly after I got saved, the the pastor left and they called a new pastor. um, And there was there was a vote of the candidate. And so in a way, the church to this day, if we do, you know, a, a vote, a Democratic vote, in a way that's, quote, casting lots and like you said, we just don't know, but I'm going to say what it wasn't. It wasn't some occultic fortune-telling thing or something like that. It was an orderly thing, and obviously the Holy Spirit, God in His providence, presided over it. And so now the apostles are there, and we begin in chapter 2, certainly one of the most significant happenings in world history. Just as, you know... Uh, I'll tell you one of the most significant days in world history when Jesus was born. And, you know, it says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Very significant day. When Christ arose and he's not here, he is risen as he said. Very significant day. But chapter two and the coming of the Holy Spirit and Peter preaches at Pentecost, I mean, this is one of the most significant days in the history of the world. Am I right?
2: You are right on. Notice the words here now when now the writer Luke and this is so important was talking about uh, his preciseness detailed and he uses two words here and it is in the Greek now when he could have said now the day of Pentecost or he could have said when the Pentec a day of Pentecost come but he uses both of these terms that are terms of definite now this is what we're waiting on when this is what we're waiting on that anticipation here is that it bills with those two words because the promise had been given, you're going to be endued with power. And now the day has come. And now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and here it is again, they were all with what? One accord in one place. That term is used again, Alex. One accord in one place. The power of God being demonstrated. Can two walk together unless... They be agreed uh, you know mm-hmm. that's the whole idea we're to walk with god we're not asking god to agree with us our our way of saying thank god i want to find out where you are i want to find out what you're doing i want to join you uh, alex i'm afraid a lot of ministries a lot of people churches they want to decide to do something and ask god to bless it before they have spent time waiting and supplicating in prayer and asking God what he wants. Do uh, do you think that those verses in chapter 2, verse 1, I I think they're very powerful to know that now when the day had fully come and they were in that one accord in one place.
1: You know, I don't mean to get too, too technical in the the words here, but in verse 2, you know, they're, they're praying. It says, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it feels fill the whole house where they were sitting. Now, the word mighty is strong, sometimes translated violent. I mean, it's very powerful. But the word rushing, interestingly, and some of you that are, are, you know, you you like to go to the gym and work out, you're going to know what we're saying here. The word rushing wind is exactly the word pheromone, P-H-E-R-O-M-O-N-E pheromone. Now, pheromones are uh, things that uh, are, they're basically hormones that are secreted when you have strenuous activity, and it feels good. You do a workout, and pheromones affect your emotions and your mood, generally bringing like an exhilarating, joyful feeling. Now, the reason I'm saying that is, it's just amazing All right, the Holy Spirit comes, it's powerful, mighty rushing wind. I've got to believe, because the word pheromone is used for the word rushing, uh, they were joyful. This was just one of the greatest things. Um, They weren't there to be afraid. They weren't there to be bored, certainly. No, this was a moment of joy. And I want to say, when you're worshiping the Lord, and God is moving, and lives are being touched, and you know... You're in the presence of God. It is the greatest of all joys, isn't it, Bert?
2: It is great word study, and let's not forget the word wind. Uh, it is also the spirit. Yeah. It is it, and this is the terminology that Luke uses again. He's describing. He was not there. Peter was there. We know that the other apostles were there, and so I I believe yes, the Holy Spirit inspired. But again, this is information that I believe he received, the Holy Spirit empowered. But this wind, the Spirit comes in like a wind. Does it remind you of, of what Jesus told Nicodemus? The wind bloweth where it will, you know? Yes. So isn't it great how God ties all of Scripture together, isn't it?
1: It is. And may, may God grant that the wind of the Spirit blows through our nation in a thorough, powerful way. Stay tuned. We're back after this. We'll get to your questions too. Get ready to call in exploring the Word.
0: The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Since the corona quarantine started, suicide, alcoholism, and drug abuse have increased. People are lonely and hurting. And the most extensive study of its kind, a study from Harvard University, offers hope for people in despair. They found frequent attendance at religious services dramatically reduces deaths from suicide, alcohol, and drugs. Including God in our lives offers the strength and peace we all desperately need. Why not give Jesus a try? You'll be glad you did. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org.
4: For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The United States Postal Service has been quietly running a program that tracks and collects American social media posts. The surveillance effort is known as the Internet Covert Operations Program, or ICOP. ICOP analysts are monitoring social media channels like Parler, Telegram, and Facebook for any potential threats and collaborates with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies. Anyone want to explain to me why the U.S. government would go to the Postal Service for examining the internet for security issues? Can't get the mail straight, but now they're in on national security.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. One summer in high school, I helped my dad build a garage on our property. We poured the foundation, put up the walls, and eventually, we had to put shingles on the roof. I'd never been on a roof before. I was scared of the height, but... Even more, I was scared of falling and hitting the ground. My dad saw my fear and he said, son, why don't you go down the ladder? And if I need something, you could just hand it up to me. That day, my fear kept me from serving my dad. But thankfully, if we trusted Jesus to save us, we can live and serve with confidence that because we belong to him, he'll protect us and keep us from falling. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8:30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR.
1: Sing praises to the Lord, oh you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name.
0: American Family Radio.
3: So let me go.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Here is the number, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We're going to get to your Bible questions here on Exploring the Word. And, Bert, where shall we go first? Well, let me
2: tell you, we have five lines open, and so there's plenty of uh, space for someone to call in. But our first caller that we're going to right now is Tom in North Carolina. Tom, what part of North Carolina are you from? Uh, Vass. Okay, I bet Alex knows all about it. But anyway, welcome to Exploring the Word,
1: Tom.
4: Yeah, Alex has been uh, to our church in Vass. Alex is down 421, then to the plank road.
1: I know, yes, hello, brother. I know right where you are, and um, you you all graciously called me a while ago, and I wasn't able to come again, but I I do hope we get to come back and be with you all again.
4: Okay, I got a question, honey. I mean, yeah. sir, how's, how's yeah. Lindsay Aldrich doing?
1: God bless you. Thank you so much. And uh, listen to this. Back in February, there was a horrifying head-on collision, and we prayed for a teenage girl named Lindsay Aldrich. Uh, they go to First Baptist of Asheboro. Uh Dear dear friends and listeners down that way. All right, and I want to thank everybody for praying. Lindsay uh, was at death's door, for real. I mean, Dozens of broken bones. I mean, it was a head on collision, terrible thing. And the last report I got, which was about a week and a half ago, that she is making a complete recovery. Now, one thing to pray about, she was on oxygen so long, and and this thing was in her throat that her voice, her vocal cords were kind of bruised. And I think um, regaining speech was a bit of a challenge, but by and it's a miracle and exploring the word listeners i want to say thank you for praying but she is expected to make a full recovery and uh what a testimony for the healing power of jesus this young lady now has but exploring the word audience i thank you for praying
2: alex you know we go to prayer and sometimes we forget for praying for thanksgiving how about Linda us in a prayer of thanksgiving for Lindsay's healing
1: Amen. Let's pray about that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are the great physician. And several months ago, we just were very concerned. Uh, The church called and asked me to solicit prayer. And Lord, you've responded to those prayers. And we thank you so much for Lindsay uh, recovering, and Lord, we do pray for her speech to fully recover, and I pray her vocal cords aren't damaged from that uh, oxygen tube. Lord, I think about her brother, Andy Aldrich, who I've watched him grow up as a fine Christian young man, too, and Lord, just bless that family. Bless my dear friend Mark Hall and everybody at First Baptist Church in Asheboro, and Lord, we acknowledge you're a good God you're so good to us, and thank you for the healing work you're doing in the life and in the body of Lindsay. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen.
2: Just let me say a word. When you're having prayer meeting or you're going around the room in a small group Sunday school class, you have all these prayer requests, don't forget praises and thanksgiving. Amen. And uh, sometimes if people came to a prayer meeting, you'd think there was no healing. There was no any good outcome because all you hear is, is those that are the prayer requests, and that's good, but they, we, others need to hear. Praise God. Look what God has done. Thank you, Amen. Tom, for asking. Uh, next, we're going to go to Ohio and talk to Sean. Sean, welcome.
4: <laughs> well, I'm going to give you guys praises because, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, but everything happens for a reason.
0: We can trust yeah. him. We can um, trust him.
4: Amen. I'm I'm driving past on my way home, some cornfields and the farmers are out there plowing the fields and Ooh. uh just getting ready for the year and it just gives me all tingles inside. But um Bert, you weren't there last week, but I'm glad you're back this week. Um, Alex, I, I just wanted to give you some praise and I'm just so thankful that Christ has put your heart where he has because um I called a couple weeks ago about the Constantine deal. But then Brother Todd called in on Monday and asked about the Sabbath day, okay? And if you recall, you had said, and and I had to teach about uh, Luke 13.10 this week about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And if I get emotional, I'm sorry, but when you said that Jesus paid it all on the cross in a way that we can do no such more work to what he has done, and he told that he told God that Father, they do not know what they are doing. And then he said, "It is finished." When you said that, it hit me so hard, and I was so happy that you said that because it cleared my conscience of everything about the pre-Constantine, post-Constantine, and it just it just set my Sunday school teaching.
2: Just praise God for it, but it just was so good, Alex,
1: and I'm so blessed Bless grateful. you. Amen. Oh, to God be Amen. the glory. Amen. We Amen. give God the praise.
2: We do. Alex, you know, when I hear that, uh, God is able to use what you say so many times, sometimes what I say, and to encourage, and that's one of the things we want to do on Exploring the Word, encourage getting into the Word and And Alex and I want to be instruments of God to give you what you need in order to do it and to share and that's exactly what Sean did. he noticed what he he said they got into the word in their Sunday school class alex that's man, that's repeating it that's what uh Paul told Timothy he said, Paul, I've taught you, you teach others that they may teach other men also that's that's Amen. the whole idea, isn't it?
1: Well, it really is and and thank you so much for calling in, and you know we just give God the praise and Listen, Bert and I, we're, we're just as thrilled as we can be about the truth of God's Word and to, to speak with you all every day. And uh, listen, we rejoice with you. We're, I could not be more excited about the truth of Scripture and God using that truth in the lives of people. So thanks for that call, and we just join in exalting the name of the Lord.
2: Next, we're going to stay in Ohio and go to Martin. Martin, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you,
4: uh, thank you, uh, Bert and Alex for ministering to us out here in this great nation that God is blessed. And I had a question about when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he said, You must be born of water and of the Spirit. And the water part, uh, I've had a little trouble discerning from other teachers saying that that's when, uh, woman's water broke and born into the world, but he was talking to someone who was already born into the world, you know. I was wondering if I could get your uh, interpretation on that.
2: Thank you, Martin. Alex, there's two that I've read, and again, it's one of those areas, I think there's got to be a little bit, uh, if you're very dogmatic on this, uh, you better be careful. Uh, Yes, but he was saying he had been born. The whole idea is what what Jesus is concentrating, Martin, he's concentrating on the new birth, the new birth, the water birth, if it's the water uh, at the time of birth, but some believe that water is the word, represents the word, washing it through the word of God, Alex, uh, both mm-hmm. of the, I, and, and I'll be frank with you, I I lean, I don't know which one I lean to, I, but th- those are the two that made sense to me, the birth and then the word. Uh, do you have, what do you have on that?
1: Yeah, um, that's John 3, 5. And that, that is very interesting because it's one of those things that could be taken a number of ways. Like you... Um, okay, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you know, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Now, it's true in, in John 4, 14, Jesus talks about the water that I give will spring up uh, to eternal life. Sometimes... Uh, the Word of God is referred to as water, like Isaiah twelve three, water from the wells of salvation. All right. And then some have said, well, maybe the water and the spirit of John 3, 5 refers to the fact that, you know, uh, when a baby is born, a woman's water breaks. So the human and the spirit being born from above. Well, the, the word there, translated water, is really the word from which we get like hydro, like something uh, hydraulic, and it's the same type of of water used to refer to the flood of Noah, the waters of of the deluge. First uh, and Second Peter reference this. Now, here's my point: uh, at the very least, and, and we know if you're talking about the the, wa- the flood waters that was a judgment on sin, we're born physically in this world. There's water associated with it. This world, you know, the human nature, the fallen nature, everybody is born once. But to go to heaven, you've got to be born twice, born of the Spirit. And, you know, Bert, uh, one writer said this, to be born once, you will die twice, the physical death and the spiritual death. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once and maybe not even then if you're alive when the rapture comes. So I think regardless of of what the John 3, 5, born of water and of the Spirit, it's speaking of the fact that we're all born physically, but we have to be born again and able uh, to to enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's a reference to the second birth that comes about through faith in Jesus.
2: Yeah, when you read that, Martin, it's definitely talking about the new birth born from above, born anew, born of the Spirit. And, and then it goes the wind, which refers to the Spirit of God. Uh, so the emphasis is on that, this Holy Spirit coming into your life, uh, and, and He comes into your life at the point of salvation. He comes into our life, and we're thankful for that. Thank you for your good call. Next, we're gonna go to Texas and talk to Mickey. Mickey, welcome to Exploring the Word
4: hey guys thank you thanks for having me yes sir uh, i have a i have a quick question uh in our men's group three or four weeks ago one of the guys brought up that when jesus was handed over for crucifixion crucifixion that it was illegal for the jews to pass the death penalty on on anybody on citizens then when you get over into action you see stephen is stoned and Saul is leading in the charge for perse- persecuting the church um Why is that any different
2: than what happened to Jesus over there? Great question, Mickey. Let me see. Paul did not have that authority on his own. He had received that as an illegal religion, and was he acting in the power of the Roman government at that time, Alex?
1: Well, uh, yeah, and, you know, Paul often had to defend himself by invoking his Roman citizenship, didn't he?
2: He did. He did. And that that's the key to it, Mickey. Both of them is, is the Roman, uh, I would say, you know, Roman authority doing that. And so Jesus' death on the cross. And let me just say this too. They wanted to make Jesus a public spectacle more than uh, just one private outside stoning. Uh, and again, I know it fulfills scripture, but Though the the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leadership, they had that in mind of making it as as harsh as they could, Alex. And mm-hmm. so,
1: um, <clears throat> in John eighteen thirty one, um, the Jews said, uh, "Take him and judge him according to your." I mean, the the Romans said to the Jews, "Judge him according to your law." The Jews therefore said, "It is not lawful for us to put any man to death." John eighteen thirty one. And so it was a multi-step process. The Sanhedrin, I was reading a history book, the Sanhedrin could deliver a death sentence, but they couldn't carry it out themselves, uh, so they had to really consort together. Right. And, uh, you know, on any day of the week, the Jews and the Romans really didn't have any common ground for each other. But when it came to um, disposing of Jesus... They found common ground to get it done.
2: Okay, thank you, Mickey. Let's try to take in one more call before the day's over. Today we're going to Minnesota and talk to Van. Van, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good to hear good from I, you. I got to ask. Afternoon. I got to ask: Is it cold yeah. in Minnesota still? i uh, not right, not right at this moment. Only in the morning. Okay, I just wondered. <laughs> Go ahead with your question, brother.
4: Well, I, I want to. Say, so, you know, may God bless both of you guys and everybody at A A R A F o- R.
1: you know, bless you, I-, I love
4: listening to you guys every day. My question is um, about numbers of the Bible, not the actual book, but uh, numbers that they use in the Bible. Could you shed some light on some of
2: that? I mean... I- I don't know, like, why did he pick 12 disciples, okay. why did he use seven times this, stuff like that. Okay, we don't mm. have a lot of time. Let me just share with you. Some numbers are very significant. Uh, some numbers are just detailed numbers. How many people were in the upper upper room? 120. Uh, uh, yes, that's important, but it's not as significant as 1, 3, uh, 7, 12, and 40. Alex, when you hit those numbers, man, those just are repeated again and again, aren't they?
1: They really are. Two books that I would recommend uh, that are really good and very balanced. Of course, there's one that's kind of an oldie-goldie by E. W. Bullinger, uh, B-U-L-L-I-N-G-E-R, E. W. Bullinger, Number in Scripture. And he talks about a lot of the... the uh, significant numbers. And like Bert said, some are just inconsequential. It just so happens there were this many or that many. And then others, you know, verses like six I mean numbers like six or seven or forty um really do have significance. But then there's there's a book by Norm Geisler called When Critics Ask. Uh, critics being like skeptics of the Bible. And Geisler goes into some discussion about the significance of certain biblical numbers. And there is significance. But you know what? Here's a number, Bert. Keep Jesus number one in your life. Amen. That's an important number, isn't it?
2: Amen. One is that number. Uh, do we look for another one, or is he the one? Jesus is the one. Make him Lord of your life. Hey, Valerie from Oklahoma, we'd love to get to you today today. Didn't have time, but we would love to talk with you. Maybe you can call in tomorrow. And so, Alex, uh, Acts, what a book! Chapter two. Yes. We're going to get to the the Holy Spirit coming in power, aren't we?
1: Acts two, verse three. Pick it up with us again tomorrow. You've been listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.